Father, I thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I thank You that Your Word is powerful and active. And it can draw and give life. And Father, I pray that You would bring life this evening. That You would touch hearts here this evening. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would move in our midst, move upon these young people, and touch them. Father, speak to their hearts, I pray. And let the power of God be poured out. Father, I pray that you would bring salvation to some this night. Father, I pray that you would bring return to some this night. And for all, you would increase the passion and the love for you. And Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to speak to these young people about the things of God. Father, please guide me. May your name be glorified for your glory. May Jesus be glorified. Pour out your mercies, O Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers, of living water. But this He spoke of the Spirit, who those who believing in Him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and He cried out. It's unusual in the Scriptures, to see a passage where it says Jesus stood and cried out. In fact, very often when He taught, it says He would sit down to teach, which was a common mode of teaching in that day, and rabbis to this day often do that. He stood when He was in the synagogue, but when He was outside teaching, He sat down to teach. But here He stood... I have water. Thank you, though. Yeah, if you could get me that water, that would help. Thank you. He stood and he cried out. And he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being would flow rivers of living water. First of all, we must be thirsty to come to him. A thirst forms, and then we come to him. Then it says, and he who believes in me, that there must be belief. And then he says, it's just like the Scriptures say, And then out of Him would flow rivers. You drink from Jesus and rivers will flow. 
And then the Scriptures say, those rivers that flow are the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that comes out of people's lives. How far must we go before we will thirst? How much sin must we commit before we will thirst? How much of our lives must we destroy before we will thirst for Him? Young men, how many women must you abuse before you will thirst for Him? Young women, how many men will you give your bodies to seeking love before you understand that that is not the way you get love? How far must we go before we will believe Him? That God knows what is best for us. And the things that He has told us to guard ourselves from, He has told us for our own good. How far must we go? The Scriptures say in Proverbs chapter 2 that the wisdom of God cries out to us. In Proverbs chapter 2, it talks about this. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She lifts her voice in the square. At the end of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gate in the city, she utters her sayings. This is Proverbs, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. And fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Look what he says. He says, wisdom cries out that there is truth in this word. There is truth in God's ways. It is crying out. And it says, how long will we refrain from seeking His way? How far must we go before we will thirst for Him? How many divorces do you need to go through before you will believe that His Word is true. I see this all the time. I have people call me all the time. I'm going through this divorce. It's tearing me up. Hurting women. That their husbands are involved in pornography. You know, this is hard to believe for young people who think, oh, when I, young men, when I get married, I won't need pornography. If you don't deal with your pornography problem now, it will follow you into marriage. I guarantee it. I see it all the time. How far must we go before we will see that God's Word is right and true in all ways? And if before marriage, men and women get together and experience pornography together, and then experience each other, 
And that then follows them into marriage. I can guarantee you the marriage will not last. I have seen it over and over and over again. In the lives of Christians, you and I are no different. You and me are no different than the other people out there. If it's not for the grace of God, we would surely fall. But by disobedience to His Word, we will fall. How far must we go before we will thirst for Him? How much of our lives must we mess up before we will thirst for Him? Then it says in verse 24 of Proverbs chapter 1, Because I called to you, and you refused, I stretched out my hand, and no one paid attention, and you neglected all my counsel, and did not want my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will all, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And they would not accept my counsel. They spurned my reproof. I am telling you, God's way is true. I have watched young lives grow older. And I have watched the destruction of a life. Not from the outside, but from within that own life. The decisions that were made destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. Destroyed their marriages. Destroyed their children. How many divorces must we go through? before we will believe God's Word. God's Word is true. Tonight, you will have an opportunity to make a decision for Him. Either a first-time decision or a time to return. A time to seek Him. God's way is true. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus raises the bar all the time. He says, you have written about adultery in the law of God. He says, but I warn you, if any man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery with her already in his heart. In Matthew chapter 5. Who is not condemned by such a statement? How we need Him. And there is only victory over sin in Christ. Without the Holy Spirit working in our heart, we are powerless against sin. Men are absolutely powerless against sin without the Holy Spirit being resident within. How far must we stray before we will thirst and cry out and say, Oh Jesus, how I have destroyed my life. How I have destroyed it. I urge you, I beg you to take the time that you have in college 
and seek the Lord diligently. You cannot waste this time. The time that you do not seek Him in your college days will destroy your lives. Because it is in this age, this age between 18 and 25, that you will make the major decisions that set the pattern for your life. Who your spouse will be. How you will order your life around your spouse. How will you order your life around your career? Will you be deeply honest about this? Or will you lie? And I guarantee you, if you lie in your career, it will catch up with you. Because wisdom cries out in the streets, don't do it. I don't know if you've ever watched the contortions in a man's face when he's lying. It's as if he was not even built to do that. And people perceive lies immediately. And especially in the workplace. If you walk honestly and with integrity, you will be honored. Let's bring it on home. If you have music that you have not paid for on your computer, that is a sin. It is called stealing. It is called robbing another. It is a sin. If you have music that you have not paid for, it is a sin. When I started my career, I got a little Mac SE. My first computer as an assistant professor, and I thought that was a great computer. It had one meg of memory. I mean, a megabyte. You could run Word and one other program simultaneously. It's an amazing computer. And I bought Word and ChemDraw and put that on there. And uh, then, a year and a half later, you know, my students used to come in and my graduate students and let them use that computer. Never an undergraduate. Never an undergrad near that computer. We got a, a, a Mac SE30. And that was just, just humming fast. And I bought another set of software for that computer. And we got another computer for the lab, and I bought another set of software. And one of my colleagues said to me, what are you doing? I said, that's another computer. I can't use this software on it. He said, oh, yes, you can. So I called up Microsoft. Guess what they said? I had to buy another set of software for the other computer. I called up ChemDraw. Guess what they said? I needed another set for the other computer. So I bought it. My colleague said, you're crazy. Don't do that. And you know what happened? God blessed my research program so much. I had more money than I needed to ever buy any software I wanted. Computers and software. God blessed. And that colleague of mine could hardly raise any grant support. You don't mess around with God and get away with it. But when you honor God, you are so blessed. If you are sinning this day, I urge you to turn How long will we go before we thirst for Him? Before we thirst for His Word? 
If you've got pornography on your computer, I guarantee you, if you keep it there, it will destroy your life. It will destroy your marriage. You say, well, I'm not married. You will one day be married, and it will follow you into marriage. And your wife will call me someday and say, my husband's got pornography on his computer, and it's tearing me up. Because I get those calls. And my heart goes out to these women. I am so sorry. And this woman says, my husband says that it just downloads automatically. I said, it doesn't. I got a computer. It never automatically downloaded pornography. Never. Destroying their marriage. And she says, we have an eight-year-old. And I'm worried about him. And I said, I understand. I understand. How long must we go before we take his word seriously? But remember what it says. As much as we don't like it, as much as it may blow our image of God, it says when wisdom cries out and we do not listen, it will laugh at us and mock when we go through despair as a result of the sin. Wisdom cries out. You have an opportunity this day to seek Him. Will you thirst? If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, Jesus says, believe. Whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that he has been raised from the dead, shall be saved. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9. How much more simple could it be? You don't have to run to Jerusalem and do some pilgrimage. You don't have to beat your back with a chain. He says, if you would be willing to confess that Jesus is Lord. Are you willing to confess that He's Lord and believe in your heart that He's risen from the dead? Believing in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is not hard because what happens is the Holy Spirit will help you. Will help you to believe. Because that event has changed the course of human history more than any other event. The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you would but believe in Him, this is where He brings us. Will we believe? Will we thirst because we see how desperately sick our hearts are? Will we thirst? How far must we go before we will thirst? If not now, then when? How many women must you sleep with before you will thirst? How many men must you give your life to and your body to before you will thirst? How many? How much destruction, how many marriages, how many broken homes before you will thirst? 
How many ruined careers before we will thirst? If we would but believe in Him. And as the Scriptures have said, out of His innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit will come into the life and rivers will flow. Does not come automatically flowing out. It's a lot of controversy whether the Spirit comes when you receive the Lord or the Spirit is a second event. And everybody's got an opinion and everybody knows. But I'll tell you this. It never comes flowing out. Whether you got it or you don't, it never comes flowing out until you get the Word of God in your heart. As the Scripture has said, out of His innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And a Christian without the Spirit flowing out has no substantive change in their lives than an unbeliever. And they will go through the same pains and the same destruction. Must have the Spirit flowing out of your life. We must thirst for Him when we see how wicked our hearts are. It says in Jeremiah, the heart of man is desperately sick above all else. Who can understand it? There is nothing as sick on this earth as the heart of man. You and me are the same. And I know this from my own life. My heart is sick. And there is no power over sin without Him. And as the Scripture has said, if we believe on Him, out of our innermost being can flow rivers of living water. And your life really will be different. Your career will be different. The way you see things, the way you interact with people, the way you deal with people. And it doesn't mean that you never blow it. I blow it almost every day. I can look back and say, wow, I really blew it with something. I said something to somebody that wasn't particularly Christian. But by the grace of God, I can get up and move on because He shows me. And as the years go by, I can see that change. And out of your innermost being can flow a river of the Holy Spirit. And you will end up touching lives and impacting lives. And you will look back and you will say, God, thank you for what you've done in my heart. Thank you. This is what God can draw you to. I encourage you to seek Him. To seek Him. Because without putting Him in the primary place of your life, you will never overcome. You will never be able to have the success in your life of victory without Jesus Christ having first place. And as Christians, we still struggle to do this. We work out our salvation, as the Scriptures say, with fear and trembling. We continue to seek Him daily. But this is what He calls us to, something much greater. This is what He calls us to. Your heart 
My heart is sick. I see many young people thinking they have the world by the tail. The guy's got his girls. The woman has got her guys or her guy. They think they're all set. And I can just look at them, look at what they're doing, look at their lives, and just cringe because in ten years, it's going to be very different for the two of them. It's not going to be happy at all. And men think, when they've been in marriage for a few years, if I just had that other woman, then I would be happy. And then they get that other woman, and then they're really not happy. And they say, well, if I had that other woman, then I'll be happy. And they leave this trail of hurting women. And the, the hurt women think, well, if I could just marry such and such a man, then I'll really be happy. And it's always elusive. Just like sexual relationships outside of marriage. Always elusive. Because there's always that despondency afterward. And as much as we try to hide it, it's never quite fulfilling when it's not done the right way. And then when it's not done the right way, these patterns follow into marriage. And it's never quite fulfilling. And the man is always looking for fulfillment because he's never learned what it means to really love his wife. And the wife is always yearning for a man who really felt fulfilled in her and knowing that her husband is not because his mind is not there. This is a very common thing. I was sitting with an older couple one day in their, in their late 40s. And I said to them, the biggest problem for men in marriage is that they don't know how to dwell upon their wife when they're having sex with her. Their mind is on another woman. And the woman looked at her husband in total disbelief at what I had just said. And her husband just cringed and the response was very easy for me to know what I would see. Because unless a man learns how to deal with his wife in this realm, he struggles deeply with this. But I'm telling you the truth is here in the Scripture on how to deal with this. So much so that it can be a wonderful thing. I so love and enjoy my wife I don't know what life would be like without her. And in these times, I enjoy her so much. But it hurts me because I know so few couples among Christians that know this enjoyment that I know. And I only know it because of what is written here in this book. And this is the life that I long for you to be able to have. This level of enjoyment, of enjoying another person, of enjoying a family. 
longing to get home. Not to put my feet up and watch TV and drink a beer. But just to be with my family after work. And knowing what it's like. And the joys of God. This is what He has for you. This is what He has for you. If you'll but follow His way. We are going to pause and we are going to pray. And I'm going to pray for those who may not know Jesus. That you would thirst for Him. And I'm going to pray for those of you who know the Lord. But know that you need to thirst for Him more. And I am going to ask you to make a decision decision for Him. And to draw you closer to God this day. That your life can be set apart for Him this day. And that your lives would change to really seek Him this day. And that you would make a decision to take every area of known sin in your life and deal with it. Even if it costs you money, to hell with your money. Deal with your sin. Deal with it. And you will have a much greater life. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I pray that You would move now by the power of Your Holy Spirit to convict us in this room of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. Because there will be a judgment day. Father, I thank You because You know everything, everything of the wickedness In my heart. You know everything of the wickedness. In each one's heart. And Father as we pause. I ask you. To bring a spirit of repentance. Into this room. To convict of sin. And that there would be a crying out. And a thirsting for you that they would cringe because of the sin. You reflect upon your lives now. And if there be an area of sin, confess that to God and then make a commitment to deal with what you have to deal with. And Father, for those who do not know you, I pray, O Lord, that they would follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sins and have mercy on me. And I believe that you have risen from the dead. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. And for those here, who know you, Lord, but need to thirst and need to follow you. Follow me in this prayer. 
Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, come into my life in a greater way. May I seek you with all of my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Have mercy on me. And give me the strength to deal with these. Lest they destroy my life. And wisdom mock me in my despair. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, and have mercy on me. And Father, I pray for these young people. Lord, I pray that they would have good lives and good homes and good careers and that they would take the steps necessary to seek you with all their hearts so that they might have power over the sin which could so easily hold them back. And Father, I pray that out of their innermost being would flow that river of living water, the river of the Holy Spirit. For you see all, O Lord. Glory be to you, Lord Jesus. Glory to your name. Have mercy on these young people, I pray. Great mercy. Pour out your forgiveness, I pray. The forgiveness of God. And it's to you I offer this, my Lord. Amen.